Well, good morning. Merry Christmas, everybody. How we doing? We good? Come on, look at somebody next to you. Tell them Merry Christmas. Look at the person you didn't want to say that to. Tell them Feliz Navidad. Tell them for the multicultural people that are in here, we'll, we'll keep it going. Well, glad you're here. Welcome to our Savior's Church. My name is Pastor Josh. And on behalf of uh, my wife and our team, so glad that you're here. Come on, how many of you glad to be in church on a Christmas weekend? Glad you're here. Welcome, welcome. Hey, can we get it up for our worship team? They knocked it out the park. They did a great job. And hey, while we're clapping, why don't you welcome all those on Facebook Live? Glad you're here. Welcome to Christmas at OSC. How many of you have favorite Christmas traditions? How many have favorite Christmas traditions? Like in, our, in the Belt Home, we have one of our favorite Christmas. We do this every year as we go and look at Christmas lights. Any Christmas lights, people? Come on, yeah, go. You, you throw them all in the car, take off. We went to Lake Charles this, uh, on Thursday, actually. Went and saw, saw a movie, and then we went and drove around and went by the lake at Lake Charles and, you know, saw all the houses we'll never afford. Um, <laughs> Come on, somebody. I mean, my boys are like, those people are rich. <laughs> like, just wave. <laughs> just wave. Uh, this, is, this is one of our family traditions. We love doing that. We, we, we're, um, we love decorating Christmas trees. I mean, just all the, the stuff that comes. Christmas movies. Come on, anybody watch Christmas movies during this time? I got any Elf fans? Elf? Elf? Home Alone? Any Home Alone? Okay. Any National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. That's like my family right there. All right. I love it. I love it. So glad. How many of you, okay, let me ask this question. How many of you open presents on Christmas Eve? Who's Christmas Eve open presents, people? Okay. How many of you open presents on Christmas Day? Christmas Day? Okay. Okay. Now here's the real question. Okay. We're going to find out if you are really a Christmas person or not. How many of you open presents the right way, which is one at a time? Anybody in here? How many of you just let everybody go and they just open all at the same time? Everybody opens all, and you know, you, d- you did all that work and it took 10 seconds for them to open every gift that happened. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like in our family, it was like, no, 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 listen, you open your gift. Everybody watch. Everybody watch. Open your gift, baby. Open your gift. What did you get? Hold it up for everybody to see. Take a picture. Take a picture. Okay. Now go thank and hug the person who gave it to you. Come on. How I many Christmas at our house was five hours for seven gifts. Dear God, it's crazy. I love Christmas traditions. I love Christmas. I love this time of year as we come and we celebrate. Um, But Christmas is a special day. Whether you know it or not, I mean, on Wednesday, the nation, for the most part, will shut down. Uh, Offices will be closed. Schools will be closed. And all because of something that happened in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. Think about how crazy that is, how, how of an impact this moment is of what we celebrate. The fact that you write on your checks, if any people still write checks, <laughs> 2019. How many know that's because of what happened in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago? This is, uh, this is a historic moment in, in our history as we celebrate this every year. And so today, I, I wanted to share a message. It's a very simple message. It's probably one of my shortest ones, too. You're welcome. Um, and so I know you got family here, and you got a lot of things you got to do. And so I, I want to share today a message called, What's So Special About Christmas? And I, I want to share kind of three thoughts with you of why Christmas is so special in the first place. So you should have gotten some notes when you walked in. Did you get some notes? Wave them at me. Come on, like we had a Pentecostal church. Come on, let's go. All right. Hey, I get my preach on. Just wave it. Just get, and you can just stand up and go, go, go. 
however that works for you, okay? Just let me know. Then the ushers will sit you back down, and then it'll be okay. So, all right, let's, let's jump in today to today's notes. We're going to look at what's special about Christmas. Three reasons. Number one, let me give you the first one. I'm going to talk about the relevance of Christmas, and that is that God came to earth. God came to earth. Everybody say that with me. God God came to earth. Watch what Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says this. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him. What are they calling him? Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Everybody say that. God is with us. God is with us. Now listen, World War II, when the Allies invaded Normandy on D-Day, that was a historic day when they touched ground on D-Day. But how many know when God come and stepped into Bethlehem, how many know that was a more historic day than ever happened? For the U.S., a historic moment was when man walked on the moon for the first time. But how many know when God, the man, God, walked on this earth was a historic day? And not only did he come, but he came in a way that no one expected him to come. He came in the form of a baby, in the form of a human, just like you and I. And, and he didn't come with a bunch of pomp and circumstance and, and, and pizzazz. He came in a, in a humble cave. I, I was actually in Bethlehem at the beginning of this year, uh, and now they have a, a church built over where they believe is the place that Jesus was born, and it's this huge deal now, and there's you know, so many tourists, and it's all elaborate, and it's gold everywhere, and it's, it's, it's a really, really amazing place to go see, but that's not what happened over 2,000 years ago. It was a very humble, very, very non-glamorous place, and I don't know if, if you're like me. If, if I'm God, and I'm sending my son to come, and he's going to be the savior of the world, the king of kings, I don't know about y'all, I'm bringing him halftime show right down in the middle. Come on, fireworks going off on a white horse with a tattoo on his leg. You know what I'm talking about? Like, this is, by the way, that's how he's coming later on. So I would just, hey, let's start out that way. But he didn't come that way. He didn't come as an adult. He came as a baby. Why would he come as a baby? I was thinking through this. You know why God came as a baby? I think one of the main reasons is God didn't come to scare us. He came to save us. And he came as a baby because nobody's scared of a baby. He just not. But Jesus didn't stay a baby. He grew up. And he went to school, like we went to school. And he went to church, like we go to church. And he had parents, just like you and I. And he had brothers and sisters, whether you believe it or not, he had brothers and sisters, just like you and I. How many know it was weird being the brother of Jesus? Come on, every time you were sick, Jesus walked by, you're healed. You're like, oh, dang it, man. You know what I mean? Entertaining people at the birthday parties when you're walking on water, that'd be awesome. And so this is... This is the God that we serve. He came and he lived a life that you and I live. He, but, but watch this. He, he got tired like we got tired. He, got, he went through pressure like you and I went through pressure. He got frustrated like you and I get frustrated. He got angry like you and I got angry. He, he got tempted like you and I got tempted. He went through all of the things that you and I went through so that one day whenever you go, I'm just done. Jesus goes, I know how you feel. How many of you grateful that we have a God that says, I know how you feel? I know how you feel. I've been there. I've, I've been betrayed by people. I've been hurt. I've been, I've been lonely. I've been depressed. I, I've, I've walked through distress. I've walked through all that. This is the God that we serve. We've been through these things, which reminds me of the story of a grandfather who went over to his daughter's house for Christmas, 
Uh, his wife had passed away. His daughter invited them over to her house. He's there at the house. And uh, he walks into the living room, and there's a little playpen. And his, his toddler grandson, Jeffrey, is, is in the playpen screaming, screaming at the top of his lungs. He's standing up at the playpen. And, and, his, and his papa walks in. He says, Papa out! Papa out! And so Papa, of course, with his heartstrings just pulled, he walks over to Jeffrey and he's about to bail him out of prison. And he goes and he picks him up and, and mom walks in, his daughter walks in and says, put Jeffrey down. <laughs> All the while, Jeffrey's going, Papa out, Papa out. She said, Jeffrey, you said you're, you're supposed to stay in there. And so here he is in this moment, his grandson is crying for him, Papa out, Papa out. And he knows if he leaves, he's abandoning his grandson. His grandson's going to have to have counseling for so many years because he left him when he asked for him. But he also knows that if he picks him up, he's got to deal with his daughter. And so he's like in this dilemma and predicament between the two of what am I going to do? And so the grandfather decides something. He gets into the playpen with the son. This is the story of Christmas that God came and got into the playpen with us. He came down from heaven, a place of perfection, a place where he was glorified, and he entered into broken humanity. He entered into our dysfunction. He entered into a place that was filthy and a place that was wretched and a place, but yet he loved the people so much, he entered into it and he got into the playpen. How many of you glad that God came in and got in with us? He came down for us, with us, and this is what he did. And so when we, when we read this verse, let us not skip over the, the power of this verse that says, God is with us. That's not just something we sing at Christmas time. This is not just a part of a carol. Like, you need to understand, like, if you're going through a divorce right now during Christmas, God is with you. You need to understand, like, if you feel like you're alone, and this is one of the, the hardest seasons because now you're having to celebrate uh, a holiday where there's one extra seat at the table because someone has passed away this year or someone has abandoned you or someone has left your family, and now this Christmas is a lot harder because of what's going on. I just need you to know God is with you. If you've got to go into the cancer center and get treatment or you've got to go to the hospital and get surgery and you've got to patiently wait, I just want you to know God is waiting with you. God is with you. God is in those moments. Like God is with you. Can we not celebrate the fact that God is with us in these moments of great joyful jubilation but also in despair? God is with you. The joy of Christmas and the reason for Christmas is that God came down to be with us. And I don't know about you, but because God came down, my life went up. Anybody in here can testify that your life went up when God came down? Like, because God is here, my life is up here. If God hadn't come down, my life would stay down. But because God came down, my life went up. Let me give you the second reason why for Christmas. So we talked about the, the relevance of Christian Christmas is that God came to earth, but the, the reason for Christmas is he came for your benefit. He came for your benefit. But let me show you what Luke chapter two says. Luke chapter two, this is the angels as they're declaring to the shepherds. Watch what they say. So shepherds are, are in the dark. They're, they're doing a, a, a job that no one really wants. Um, they're the outcast of the city and here we are, think about this, the, the Christ child has been born, and th no tweet goes out, no Facebook post, no, no big hooray, hurrah. The first people that get the message is shepherds. 
The people who no one wants to be around, the people who are doing a job that no one wants to do, and here they get this message from angels, and they say, fear not, which by the way, that's easy if you're not an angel. <laughs> I'd be wetting myself. Okay, fear not, for behold, I bring you, everybody help me with these gold words. I bring you good news of great joy. Great joy. That will be for all the people. All the people. Who's, who's the good news for? Everybody. Who who does God want to have great joy? All the people. Watch this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I'll I'll talk more about this on Tuesday for our Christmas Eve service. I I got a whole nother message planned for that one, and we'll dive into this a lot more, but Christmas is about the good news of great joy for you and for me. If you're going through a season right now where there is not great joy, I just want you to know I'm about to bring you some good news. That is terrible English, but it is true. (laughs) That God has great news and great joy for you. And I'm going to give you three reasons why Jesus came to earth. Ready? I'm going to give you three, three reasons why Jesus came. Number one, to show you what God is like. To show you what God is like. Now, when you just look at nature... We can learn a lot about God just by nature. If you look at, how many of you have ever been to the mountains? Like, like real, I'm not talking about like Welsh mountain, like not that, I'm talking about like, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody been to the dumpster? Okay, all right, so that went over something. They were like, there's a mountain, some of you are like, there's a mountain in Welsh? <laughs> just ask somebody, they'll tell you what that means. So have you been, how many of you been to a real mountain? Like real, like Appalachian, Rocky, like real majestic, like when you go to these mountains, like, you learn something about God just by beholding. If you've been to the Grand Canyon or if you've been to Niagara Falls or you've been to, you know, these majestic places to see oceans or to see, like, you realize, like, how powerful and how majestic God is. Like, if you just look at our weather and how powerful wind is and rain and all that, you just realize, like, we serve a, a pretty powerful God. When you look at the, the stars, you just... Go out at night and look at the stars and look at the planets and and know about our solar system and the order of how our solar system is and how our earth is a certain degree away from the sun. If it was too far, it'd be cold. If it was too close, it'd be burned up. And then then you think about our bodies and and all the stuff that it takes for our bodies to actually function. Like, how many know when you see that, you see a God of order, you see a God of creativity. When you look at the flowers, come on, you see a God of beauty. All those things you can learn by just looking at nature. But there are elements of God that you can never learn unless you look at Jesus. You cannot understand God's mercy by looking at nature, but you can by looking at Jesus. You cannot understand God's forgiveness by looking at the mountains, but you can when you look at Jesus. You can understand God's grace not by looking at the wind or the water, but you can when you look at Jesus. I'm here today to tell you that there are some things about God that you will only know when you look at Jesus. And one of the reasons why Jesus came is he wanted to be a physical representation of what his father was like. He says, if you come and you look at me, you've seen the father. So that's the first reason. The second reason is to show you what life can really be like. Some of us are living life, but we're really honestly just existing. We're not really living, we're existing. We get up, we do our normal morning routine, we drive to work, 
or we drive to school, we go to school, we go to work, we do what we do, we come home, we eat, we stare at a screen for a couple of hours, we go to bed, and we do it over and over and over and over and over again till eventually we, know we don't do it anymore. And unfortunately for many people, they think that's life. That's not life, that's existing. God has come so that you can have life. This is what John 10 says. Watch, I came, here we go, here's our reason. I came so that they can have what? Real and an eternal life. So this is what he's saying. I've come so that you can have real life and eternal life. But what's the difference? Well, one is going to be spent in heaven, that's eternal life, but what is real life? You know why he's saying that? Because Jesus was looking at people who were living but weren't really living. And he said, I've come so you can have some real life. And if you want to see what real life looks like, watch your boy. I'm going to show you. And I'm going to also show you what a more and what? Come on. How many want your life to get better? Raise your hand. Just, how many want your life to get better? Okay. All right. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. You want a better life? It's not by buying a bigger house. It's not about having more stuff. It's not even having about more money. I'm going to tell you right now, in every human being, no matter how much money you have in your bank, no matter what house or what car you drive, no matter how many people follow you on social media, I'm just telling you right now, every single person has a longing in their soul to know if there is an eternity, has a longing in their soul to know if their sins can be forgiving, and has a longing in their soul to know if they have a purpose in life. Every human being that is breathing is asking those three questions, and the answer is yes, but only in Jesus. Jesus has a better life than what you've ever even dreamed of. This is the Jesus that we serve. He has a better life for us. And number three is to forgive everything you've ever done. How many of you are thankful that we have a God that has forgiven everything you have done? For those that are not clapping, at the end of the service, we're going to put everything you've done on this screen. Let me tell you, it would be a mass exodus. How many of you are glad that God has forgiven you of everything you have done? Okay, all right. Okay, y'all can cut that out. Y'all don't have to put that up. Okay. Watch what Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says. She will bear a son. This is Mary. And you're going to call his name what? Jesus. Jesus. For he will... Save his people from their sins. Have any of you ever been to a restaurant? Um, you know, maybe you with someone or family or whatever, and at the end of the meal, it's all said and done, you've eaten everything, you know, you call your waiter over, hey, waiter, waiter, comes over and he says, we'd like the check, we can go ahead and bring the check now. And the waiter says, it's already been paid for. Anybody ever had that happen? Yeah. Who hasn't had that happen? Raise your hand. If you've never had that happen, somebody go pay for these people's meals, okay? So <laughs> just keep your hand up. Okay, that's not me. They'll take you to lunch. Just raise your hand. You'll take them to lunch. Okay, McDonald's, but they'll take you to lunch. Um, so a couple months ago, I was meeting with a guy that had just came to our church for the first time. We connected after service, and he was like, hey, I'd love to grab lunch with you. I said, man, that'd be great. I'd love to. And so, um, so we went to a, to a restaurant here in town, and we're sitting down having conversations and stuff, and we're done. And so I'm calling the waiter over, and I'm said, hey, I'm ready for the ticket. I'll pay for us. And the, the, the waiter says, oh, you're, you're good. The ticket's been paid for. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, the ticket's been paid for. 
two things happened. First off, the guy across the, across the seat from me was like, can I come eat with you all the time? Is that? <laughs> I said, bro, this doesn't happen all the time. I'm just letting you know. Um, and so then I was like, can, who was it? And they're like, okay, all right. Uh, and then the third thought, okay, so don't, don't be mad at me. The third thought was, God, I should have ordered fajitas. Um, <laughs> come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, y'all ever had that? Like, like why did we split? Dang. All right, you know, where was the steak? Um, so, so when that happens, or if that's ever happened to you, don't you kind of feel wrong? Yeah. Is there kind of like an element of that where you're just like, ugh, I like, I just, it's hard to receive. Because, like, I ate the food, I enjoyed the food, and they got the bill. Like, there's just something wrong about that, like, I'm so thankful for it. And anytime y'all want to do it, you're more than welcome to. But it is a bit difficult to receive because you're the one who did it all. This is, by the way, an incredible depiction of what Christ has done for us. Christ did not eat the food. Christ did not cause the mess. And yet Christ picked up the bill. How many of you are thankful that he has forgiven all of the sins, even the sins? That's why he had to be perfect. He was, he was perfection. He was perfection so that he could be the substitute for you and I and pay for our bill, which is sin and guilt and hell. And he paid that bill completely for you and I. But it almost just doesn't feel right. That's why, by the way, Ephesians called salvation a gift. How weird would it be this Christmas when you're sitting around with all the family and, you know, your crazy uncle comes up to you and goes, I got you a gift. And, um, and then you're like, oh, thank you so much. And then you said, how much was it? How, how, first off, your crazy uncle would be like, $20. You won't give me $20. <laughs> but how weird would it be for you to try to pay for a gift that was meant as a gift? It was never meant to be payment. Listen, this is what a lot of people try to do with Jesus when they try to clean themselves up, when they try to say, God, I can't receive that. God, oh, I need to get my life a little bit better before he can do it. No, listen, he paid the bill. You don't have to pay the bill. You don't have to try to work yourself to get better. You don't have to try to get, the, this is what Christ has done on our behalf. It is a, it's a gift from God. And so I, I just want you to hear me. The greatest gift you're going to get this Christmas did not, is not under a tree, it hung on a tree. His name is Jesus. And this whole Christmas story started with crying in a manger, but it ended with crying on a cross. And so Christmas is not a holiday for God to save us from our work. Christmas is a holiday for God to save us from our sins. And may we never forget that this is the beginning story of what God was going to do for all of us. Why would he do that? Why would God, why would God pay the bill? Because he loves you way more than you can even imagine. And you say, well, Pastor Josh, they don't know me. Yeah, he does. Like, think about this, okay? Think about this for a moment. God knows everything about you. Like, everything. Like, it's, it's so funny because some people think like they're hiding from God. It's like Adam and Eve, like when they were hiding and they were behind and, and God was like, Adam, where are you? It's like, when God asks the question, he knows the answer. And God knew exactly where he was, and God knows everything about you. Now, here's what you've got to realize. And this is the revelation that God really began to bring into my life was, 
God knows everything about you. But think about this. God knows the worst about you. Like the things that like, you know, you walk into here and be like, hey, how you doing? You'd be like, great, great, blessed, Merry Christmas. And your wife's like, what's going on here? They didn't know y'all fought the whole way to church. You beat three kids on the way just to get them here. And yet, watch, yet God knows all of that. God knows your past. God knows your addictions. God knows the things you feel guilty and shame for. Now, watch this. God knows the worst parts about you but loves you the most. Amen. Now, how many know that is scandalous? Because, listen, if you know the worst parts about people, you usually don't want to be with those people. That's why we hide these things because we don't want people to know. I don't, if people really knew the real me, then they wouldn't want me. No, no, listen. God knows the real you and still wants you. This is the, the scandalous grace of Christ. And watch what 1 John says. 1 John says it this way. God showed us how much he loves us. And I love this. Because God did not scream down from heaven, I love you. No. God showed how much he loved you by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Watch this. This is what? This is real love, that God sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, Jesus is the reason? How many of you heard it? I'm dialing a lot of it. However much that is true, I think there's an element that is not true. Because yes, Jesus is the reason for a season. His birth is the reason for the season. Him coming into this world is a reason for the season. But you need to understand that the only reason that he came into this world is because you are the reason for the season. Like, do you realize, like, if it wasn't for broken humanity, he did not need to come. But because he loves you so much, and he loves me so much, and he loves this world, for God so loved the world. God loved the world that he came. And so you need to know today that the real reason for this season is you. You're the reason for the season. God absolutely loves you more than you can know, which leads to number three. The result of Christmas is that you can know God personally. You can know God personally. Personally, how, how many of you have ever gotten a gift from someone and you didn't know what to do with it? Have you ever gotten a gift from somebody and you open it up and you're like, what is it? It's fruitcake. Hey, thank you. It's amazing. Fruit and cake and they put it together? You're so generous. You ever just had one of those gifts like you're like, uh, uh. You ever, and you like open it up like and your, your wife is around you and you open it up and you're like, hey, hey. And she's looking at you and she knows like you don't like that gift. You ever had that? Or you ever had your wife open a gift that you gave her and she's like, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. I blew it. Okay. So you ever, ever got, y'all ever gotten one of those gifts from somebody? Okay. So this Christmas... You're probably going to get some more of those, okay? <laughs> Sweater, you know, just whatever. Just. And some of the gifts that people give us are impractical. Some of the gifts that people give us are extremely impersonal. And most of the gifts that people give us are temporary. I, if you're like our family, most of the gifts that we've given our kids, if I was to go back and try to track down, I probably couldn't find most of the gifts we've given them for Christmas. 
um, because they've either been given away or they're in the trash or somewhere. So most gifts that we give are impractical, impersonal, and temporary. Not all of them, but many of them are. This Christmas, I want you to hear me. You have the opportunity to receive a gift that is personal, that is priceless, that is practical, and that is permanent. Perfect, priceless, practical, permanent. Come on, how many know his name is Jesus, and he's the greatest gift that has ever been given? Now watch, I want you to listen to me. I think so many people treat Jesus like Santa. They want his gifts, they just don't want him. So we want God's forgiveness, we want God's mercy, and we really want, come on, double blessing. But we don't want Jesus himself. I'm here today to tell you the greatest gift you can give is not his forgiveness, it's not his grace, it's not his mercy. The greatest gift you're going to get is Jesus. He is the greatest gift. And hey, by the way, if Jesus never gives us anything else, how many know he's given us more than we ever deserve? Ever, 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 ever deserve. Jesus is, and the reason and the results of Christmas is that you and I can know God personally because Christ came. You and I can have a relationship with him. We can have this moment with Christ. Jesus did not come to give you religion. He did not come to give you a a set of rules. He did not come to give you a set of religious practices. Jesus came to give you him, a personal, knowing God, personal relationship. This is what God came for. One of my favorite Christmas songs is Joy to the World. Uh, We've been singing it the past couple of weeks. We'll sing it again, actually, on Tuesday. The kids will be singing it on Tuesday, by the way. So you're going to come and check that out. And my favorite line of Joy to the World, of all lines, is this line. Let every heart prepare him room. Christmas is all about letting every heart prepare him room. God is such a gracious gentleman. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks, but I need you to understand something. There's only one doorknob and it's not on his side. It's on yours. And the only way he gets in is when you open the door and prepare him room. Now, I don't know if you have guests at stay at your, how many of you have family that are coming and staying at your house this Christmas? How many, okay, we're praying for you. Just keep your hands up. We'll start interceding for you right now in this moment. Anytime we have family or people that come stay at our house, uh, Lindsay goes into like go mode. Like our, our little guest bedroom is like upgraded to like a, a suite. Okay, it's like, like I don't get that kind of stuff. Clean sheets, that's nice. No, I'm joking. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We get clean sheets, okay? I'm dying. I'm down. I'm dead. I'm dead. Y'all start, y'all lift your hands towards me. Just pray for me. I'm so, so like, like we have like a chalkboard, like she puts her name on the chalkboard and it's, you know, it's got like fresh towels on the, on the bed. I mean, it's like, it's like nice. It's like a hotel, you know? Um, but that's because we're, we're preparing for them to come. And when they come, we want them to feel extremely welcomed. So like when the boys go in the room, she's like, get out the room. That room is pristine for the guests. You've got to make room for the guest. And here is where we're at today when it comes to Christmas. I just need you to understand that God does not like to stay in a crowded, messy house. He comes and he starts cleaning things. Here's the cool thing, though. He's a maid, too, and he'll start cleaning house. 
So you just open up the door and you go, it's a, y'all ever open the door and people walk in, you're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's a mess, I'm sorry. Any, who in here says that? Okay, all the time. I'm sorry, it's a mess, I'm sorry, it's a mess, I'm sorry, it's terrible. Okay, that's what we do with Jesus. Jesus, come on in. God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm a mess. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. Don't look over there, don't look over there. We stuffed everything in that closet, don't look there. Okay, we, this is what we do with God. God, don't, and God goes, it's okay, it's good. Because I'm a professional maid. And he comes in, he starts cleaning house. And if you're in a place right now in the season of life and your life's a mess, or your life is all over the map, I just want you to know, just let Jesus in. He's really good at cleaning up messes. Hey, by the way, Jesus chose the messiest place to enter into the world just to show you he's not scared of messes. Think about a stable. I want to get, get born in the Hilton, not the stable. But he chose the stable, the darkest, dungiest, nastiest place just to remind you and I, I'm not scared of messes. I can enter into messes and I can even make messes a miracle. So Father, right now, God, we submit this time to you. And God, I thank you so much for every person that's in this place, that they're here for a reason. And that you are reminding us today that in the midst of the busyness and the chaos of everything that surrounds this holiday, God, I pray we do not miss you. What's so special about Christmas? God, you came down to earth. You came. You came for me and you came for every person that's here. You came for every person that's watching online right now. God, you came. You entered into our brokenness. You entered into our mess. God, you showed us what God is like. You you showed us what life is like. But more than anything, God, you forgave us of all of our past of all of our present, and even all of our future sins. You've stepped into this moment. And so on this Christmas, 2019, God, we surrender yet again, and we say thank you for the gift. If you're here in this room, just no one looking around, just just let this be a moment for you. If you're here in this room, and your life is a mess right now, it's a mess you realize that the one missing ingredient in your life is that you have not surrendered and received the gift. God today, in his incredible grace, wants to give you the greatest gift of all time. Better than a car, better than a house, better than being debt-free is being our sins debt-free. Today, you have that opportunity to walk out of this place. Say, God, I'm preparing my heart to make room for you. It's as simple as ABC. We admit that we're sinners, that apart from Christ, we, we can't do anything that's good apart from him. We believe that Jesus came and he died on the cross and he took our, our shame and our guilt. And I can't pay for it. It's a gift that's given to me. And the Bible says that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's, that's how I receive this gift. It's, salvation is just surrender. I just receive it today. If you're here in this place and say, Pastor Josh, that's me. I want that gift today. On the count of three, I want you just to shoot your hands up. One, two, three. If that's you going up all across this room, Pastor Josh, count me in. Count me in. One, two, three, four, five, 
six, seven. Anybody else? Praise God. I want you just to pray this with me. And OSC family, I want you to join in. Let's, let's join in. Let's, let's pray this all together. I want you just to declare this. Maybe you prayed this a hundred or a thousand times. May this be a, a fresh time of saying this. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my shame, my guilt, and my sins, and you died for it. And you faced hell for me so that I wouldn't have to go. And you rose again to give me a purpose on earth, a relationship with your Father, and a place in heaven. Now say this with me. Today, I turn from my sins to be born again. I surrender my life to you. God, be my Father. Jesus, be my Savior. Holy Spirit, be my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.